How many of you have seen the movie Soul Surfer? Anybody seen that movie? Not many people, okay. Well, it's the amazing story of a teenage girl named Bethany Hamilton who grew up in Hawaii and she loves to surf. But one day while she was surfing with some of her friends, she was attacked by a shark and lost her left arm. But as the story unfolds, you see how strong her Christian faith is and how the Lord and how her family and how her friends help her to recover and become a world champion surfer. It's really an incredible story. I want to encourage you to check out that movie. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not much of a crier in movies, okay? You know, I'm not, I don't get very emotional, but as I watched that movie, I was kind of looking around the room, making sure my girls weren't looking at it, because there was a teardrop coming out of my eyes. I just know they'd be like, Dad, you're crying over this movie. But to see that young lady, a follower of Jesus, and just starting out in life and just starting out in trusting God and to hear the conversations that she had with her dad as she struggled with that, losing her arm and how that affected her dream of being that champion surfer and struggling with that and asking all those questions of why like so many of us ask. It made me think as I watched that movie, it, made, it reminded me about how hard life can be. The struggle that it can be, the pain that we experience. Doesn't it seem unfair sometimes? Doesn't it seem so unnecessary? Why do I have to be going through this? I just wish it didn't have to be that way. Amen, anybody? Amen. And sometimes that struggle can get the best of us. Like Bethany. I mean, she was struggling. She loved the Lord. She wanted to do the right thing. She had a good attitude. She was working hard, but she struggled with that. And sometimes it is hard to feel good, isn't it? It is hard to feel hopeful. It is hard to, to feel victorious. If that's how you're feeling today, though, I'm glad you came to church. Because even though life is hard, even, I would say, unbearable some days, I want to remind you that God says in His Word that we have been called to live a life of blessing. Be encouraged tonight. I've got good news for you. Amen? We have been called to live a life of blessing. We are going to encounter trials in our life. We're going to have struggles and problems. But listen, friend, those things are not what defines us. God created us to be blessed, and God created us to be a blessing to others. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight in God's Word. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about places that God puts us in life, roles that He gives us, relationships that we have, and how as God's children, He wants us to live out those roles, even when sometimes situations can be difficult. They're not easy. We've talked about how to deal with government. We've talked about how to deal with uh, work relationships. We've talked about how to deal with family in the home. But today, the Lord's going to speak to all of us as a group, as His children. All of us as God's people, whether it's dealing with government, whether it's dealing with the workplace, whether it's dealing with the home, or maybe some other relationship that you have, all of us have to learn as followers of Jesus how to deal with problems. Today, God's going to teach us that in the midst of the trials of life, God wants you to be living a life of blessing. And there are really two parts to that. Being a blessing to others and letting God bless you in your life. Let's think about that first one. As God's children, God calls us to live a life of blessing. And a key part of that is being a person who blesses other people. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He says, To sum up, 
all of you. Now, remember, he said he was talking to he was talking to people dealing with government. He was talking to people in the workplace. He was talking about husbands and wives. But now he says, listen, I'm talking to all of you right now to sum up or finally all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind hearted and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Now, as we read that, I want to point out that I believe that that verse there in verses 8 and verse 9, that that verse in verse 9 is the key verse in this passage. It's talking about blessing. It's talking about that aspect that God has called us to be a blessing and God has called us to receive some blessings from Him. So Peter says, to sum up what I've been talking about, finally, to wrap it all up, I've been helping you understand those other roles that you have in life, but now I want to challenge you to be a blessing to others around you. And here's what I mean by that. He says, first of all, how, do we, how are we to be a blessing to other people? He says, first of all, be harmonious. Now, that's what the New American Standard, that's how the New American Standard translates. Some of your other translations might say something else. What do they say? What's the first thing in that list? To sum it all up, all of you, what? Be of one mind, okay? That's actually a very literal translation of what's being said there. Harmonious is a good way of putting it, but it really says, all of you, be of the same mind. Be of one mind. It it generally means, listen, all of you have a desire to work together with one another. Here's the question. Do you make it easier for the people that work with you? Or do you make it harder for them? Are you a person that people want to work with, want to deal with? Are you a person that people would rather try to avoid? Okay? Peter says God's direction to us as Christians, we should be the kind of people that we should be able to work together with other people. And then secondly, he says we should be sympathetic. Many times in life we hear about other people's problems and the first thing that comes to our mind is, man, I'm swamped by what? I got my own problems, right? Okay, I know you got problems, buddy, I feel for you, but somebody else is going to have to help because I've got my own problems. But this word literally says that Christians should have a mindset. We should be a desire to be a blessing to other people because it literally says we should suffer together. That's God's call to us as Christians, to be a blessing to other people that when we see them in life struggling, that we should desire to understand that struggle and enter into that struggle as much as we possibly can and actually, the nuance here in these verses is we've been talking in First Peter about people who don't always treat you right, right? Okay, so this is even saying, the, the, the slant to this is, in general, we should be willing to enter into other people's struggle to try to understand that, to try to minister that, even to people who haven't necessarily treated you right. Friends, I want to tell you, one of the things I've learned in my walk with the Lord is that one of the best things that you can do in life is with the Lord's help to do your best to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. It really is a big deal. And I cannot encourage you enough to begin to think like that. When you are dealing with people in your life, the Bible says, what does it say? Matthew 7, the golden rule is what? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? The Bible says the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as you love who? You know, I should think about you like, what if I were in your position? What would I want someone to do for me? Give me an example. Maybe there's a lady at your workplace and she's always 
hounding you. There's another employee. That person's always hounding you for a particular document or a particular piece of paper, a report or something like that. And you personally, in your job, you think it's dumb. You think, I don't see why that piece of paper is so important. I don't know why this person obsesses so much over that. But actually, if you really sat down and thought about it, that document is pretty important to her job. And if you had her job, you'd probably be obsessing about that report as well. And so when you begin to think about it, you say, you know what? It really gets on my nerves that that person keeps asking me for this thing. But actually, to be honest, if I were in their shoes, I would probably be doing what? The same thing. Friends, I want to encourage you. You start being that way toward other people. You're going to be a blessing to other people. Nobody thinks like that. Amen? It does not come natural to us. Our natural desire is to think about... (laughs) Me? (laughs) And you think about you, don't you? That's what comes natural to us. So when you begin really putting yourself in someone else's shoes, that's going to stick out, and you're going to be a blessing to people around you. The third thing he says is to be brotherly. Literally, it says to love one another like brothers, to love others, to treat other people like they're your brother or your sister. I began to think about that this week. I mean, that's pretty close, isn't it? To love to think about other people like they were family. The same grace. Don't you allow grace with family that you wouldn't? Now, sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes we're harder on family. But, but, well, let me just put it this way. There are some people in your family, if they weren't family, you probably wouldn't have stayed with them as long, right? As long as you would, right? As you have. We give grace to people that are in our family because that's my brother. That's my sister. I'm with them for life. I can overlook some things. I can deal with some things. One of the reasons, I don't know about you, but for me personally, it's easier for me to be hurtful to people that I think I'll never see again. Isn't that true? You go to the airport, it's easy to be rude at the airport, right? (laughs) I don't care. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be out of here. Do you understand what I'm saying? You guys are looking at me like I'm so bad. I'm sorry. I I don't mean to hurt your feelings about your pastor, but it is easier to me personally to be uglier with people that I don't know. God says, think about them in a more brotherly love kind of way. To paraphrase what somebody said about this word, they said the command to love here seems to mandate for us to sustain warm personal regard for someone rather than merely dealing with them simply because it was the right thing to do. You know, I think that challenge, what that's challenging us is many Christians fulfill God's requirement. I'm supposed to be nice to people or I'm supposed to, you know, put up with somebody and we sort of do that, but we don't like it. Okay, we do it, but in our, in our heart, we know we really don't like it. Well, this is, this is calling us to go another step. It's calling us to really, truly care about their, that person. It's not I'll be nice to you because God's, God says I'm supposed to. That's not a blessing to anyone. It's I'm going to be nice to you And I'm going to work with you because I truly care about you. That's a blessing, isn't it? Someone treats you like that. Fourthly, he says, be kind-hearted. That word can be translated tender-hearted or good-hearted, but it actually goes deeper than that. And and it's hard to describe this, but the way it's described in, in the Greek language, the word that's used here, it basically means to feel good about somebody deep down in your gut. Okay, That's actually the words that's used here. Okay, to feel good about somebody deep down in your gut. What it's it's taking away is not any surface show, but it's drawing us to really deep down to truly care about people. 
to stop and look at somebody in the face and see them as a human being who has hurts and concerns and needs and you truly care about that person. You ever met people like that? Aren't they a blessing? Amen. Number five, he says to be humble or to be low-minded. For me, the words don't really help as much as the opposite. Basically, don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Don't be condescending. Do you ever get like that? Do you ever think you know better than somebody or kind of look down your nose or think your opinion's better or whatever? The Bible's calling us to be more servant-like than entitled. Be humble, not arrogant, not proud, not condescending. And then he says, don't retaliate. Look at what he says in verse 9. He says, not returning evil for evil. By the way, not returning evil for evil means what happened to you? Evil, right? Not returning evil for evil means I'm not supposed to return evil for what? For evil that I received. Not returning insult for insult. If I'm not supposed to return insult, that means I received a what? I received an insult. Okay, what the Bible's calling us to is, as Christians, if we want to be a blessing to the world around us, when somebody does me wrong, I'm not supposed to fight really hard to get them back. <laughs> you ever get cut off in traffic? <laughs> And that person later needs you. And you kind of say, uh-uh. <laughs> I ain't letting you in because you didn't let me in. That's not exactly what God's talking about here. Okay? It's actually the opposite. of what Somebody makes you look bad to the boss. Okay? What's your desire? I'm going to make you look bad. Because I didn't even deserve it. I think I was right. You made me look bad. You are bad. I'm going to make you look bad. Right? That's We just start fighting back. The Bible says, don't do that. As we think about the words that the Lord's giving us here, we usually think of payback when somebody does us wrong or giving somebody what they deserve. The Lord says, if you want to be a blessing, if you want to pay or give them anything, give them blessing and not payback. Literally, the word blessing means to say a good word. It means a good message. It's actually where we get, you ever heard of a eulogy? You know, somebody gives a eulogy. That's where that word comes from. It, comes, it means a good word. It means a good message. Okay, so what the Bible's basically saying is God's calling me and you. Listen, maybe, it's, maybe for me it's a good taste in someone's mouth, okay? A good, a good word, a good message today. There's a lot of negative things happening in this person's life, but when I live differently, when I live more like God's calling me to live, I'm going to be a good word for them today. Amen? I'm going to be a breath of fresh air. I'm going to be a good taste in that person's mouth. That's what we've been called to, to give a blessing instead of a curse or a normal response. Now, as I think about all of that, I need to apply it to my life. And like Peter's audience, I need to apply it to real life, difficult life. And here's what I thought about as I was preparing this message. I thought about, you know, there are really three sorts of challenges that I face with other people in my life. Think about this for just a second. The first situation is when the other person is fine, but I'm upset. Okay, can you imagine that situation? The other person is fine, but I'm upset. Okay, the other day. Did y'all notice the nice black top, you know, the nice road out here? It didn't just show up. Okay. <laughs> I came to work one morning last week, and, and I went to turn in, and they said, uh, you can't go this way. I said, I'm just going, like, right there. I mean, I could actually just go across the grass. You know, it's just, like, right there. Well, you can't go this way. Well, well, how do I get there? 
You got to go all the way around Country Club Road, come back. Take a deep breath. All right, whatever. I'm in a little bit of a hurry, but Lord knows I'll make it. All right. So I go around, go down uh, Country Club Road, come up, come to the four-way stop down here. The guy says, what's your business, sir? I said, well, I got to get down the road here. And, I, and he says, well, why are you going here? I said, well, they wouldn't let me down there. And he says, well, all right, go ahead, I guess. So then I drive down the road, trying to be patient. We're going like three miles an hour, you know, just being careful. People are working, all that kind of stuff. I get beside the driveway here, and they said, oh, sorry, we've already paved across here. It's got to dry. You're not going to be able to pull in. <laughs> okay, let's like call a timeout, take a deep breath, <laughs> say a prayer, count to 10. <laughs> okay, so finally, I just parked across the street at the town offices and walked across. Okay, so we, we settled that. But think about that situation. In that situation, any, I think... Any reasonable, any normal person could start being tested. Amen? All right, let's call a timeout. Okay, many times, it's like, okay, I can just lay down here and have a fit. All right, I can do that. All right. All right, but, okay, let's be different. All right, we're going to be different? They're not upset, but I'm upset. How can I make a difference? How many people today... Do you think that person directing traffic has upset, like me? How many people do you think have fussed about it? How many? Probably every single one, right? So how are we any different if we act the same way as everybody else? And that's when Jesus begins to speak to my heart. Robbie, chill out, time out. At the least, don't say anything. But at the best... Thank them for doing a good job. Or tell them to be careful today. Or, hey, I'm praying for you guys, or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be different? Wouldn't that be a blessing to that person today to see somebody different? Okay, situation number two. The other person's upset, but I'm not. At least not yet. (laughs) Okay. I think about retail. Okay, my brother works in retail. He's a manager for a retail store. Anybody here deal with the public? Okay. You deal with people. After a while, (laughs) you're going to get tested, right? My brother's calling me all the time. He's like, Rob, you know, I had this person come in and they slammed this thing down on the counter and they said, what are you going to do about this? And, you know, they start, and you got to really stop for a second, don't you? He said, okay, I'm not going to enter into this. Okay. I'm not going to just kind of meet them head on with this. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to try to do my job. I'm going to be understanding that maybe somebody did give this guy the wrong part, right? Or maybe somebody did charge him. And maybe maybe he lives a long ways away and had to drive 45 minutes and he just lost his job and, and, and he had to pay a lot of money for gas to get this thing. So you know what I'm saying? Isn't it very impressive when you go to a store and a manager is reserved and not condescending, but it's nice and diffuses a situation. Isn't that impressive? Isn't that a what? A blessing, isn't it? And you will find many times you can't even be mad at that person. I want to be mad at you. Please bow up. And they will not let you do it. That's a blessing, isn't it? Situation number three. <laughs> when both of us are upset. Now, what I thought of there, that's a spouse situation. Amen. <laughs> both of us are, both of us have a good reason to be upset, wouldn't it be a blessing 
Now listen, don't pull this on your spouse just to be like the higher road person. Okay, like, yeah, I'm going to be sweet and you're not. Okay, don't do that. But I mean, seriously, isn't it a blessing when somebody says, I'm not going to bow up, I'm going to give here. I read about a guy in the military, he was a Christian, and some other people found out in his unit there, found out that he was a Christian. One day he was laying on his bed, and this guy took some old muddy boots that he had been wearing out as they were out doing their exercises. He threw them on that guy's bed and was waiting to see what the guy was going to do. Well, the guy, he took the shoes, he took the boots, he cleaned them up, he made them look nice. The next morning, they were down by that guy's bed ready for inspection. And as a result of that action, several people in his unit came to know Jesus as their Savior. Do you see the difference? What a blessing we can be. Now listen, friends, that doesn't mean we have to be walked on. No, that's not what that's saying. It's not saying that guy has to be walked on, that, that okay, now everybody that brings him his boots, he must clean their boots. That's not what that's saying. What it's saying is he made a decision in that moment. He could make a choice to get mad about something or he could show the difference that Christ makes in his life. In the middle of hardship, we can be a blessing to other people, but also God calls us to receive a blessing. Look at verses uh, 9 through 22. In verse 9, the second part, it says, you were actually, it starts out there, it says, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, as we just read, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called, in the New American Standard, it says, for the very purpose. It actually is translated, for this purpose. You were called for this purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Now, the reason I shared that the message really tonight is about living a life of blessing, giving blessing and receiving blessing, it's actually hard for translators to figure out what is being pointed at there. Was it the giving the blessing or was it the receiving blessing that we were called for this very purpose? I think it's both. We were called for the purpose of being a blessing, and in the process of being a blessing, you will receive a blessing. What blessings do we receive by being a blessing, making the choice to be a blessing? First of all, being a blessing makes your life better. Hey guys, if you just want a better life, choose to be a blessing to other people. Look at what it says in verses 10 through 12. For the one who desires life to love and see good days, who's signing up for that? Who wants that? Who wants good life, love, seeing good days? Okay. The one who wants that must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. This is a a quote from Psalm 34. If you want a blessed life, he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. That sounds like that manager who somebody's arguing. He's not seeking an argument. What's he seeking? He's trying his best to find peace. How can we resolve this situation? Listen, if you want a good life, he says, you must be a person who seeks peace and pursues it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Wow. Isn't that an awesome verse? Does God know what you're doing? Does God know the good choice you're making? What does that verse say? The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The Bible says if you will do life the way God calls you to be a blessing to others, then there's some things that will happen in your life, some great blessing. There's some things that won't happen in your life. Some of the pain and hurt that people experience in this life because they approach it man's way instead of God's way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to us, but the end of that road is what? The end end there is death. It's not right. It's not good. It breaks things apart. Secondly, being a blessing gives you confidence. Look at verse 13. 
He says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Listen to what he's saying. He said, if you choose the path of being a blessing, here's how you're going to receive a blessing back. Most of the time, if you're doing right, if you're doing good, you're not going to be getting trouble for that. Amen? I mean, even hard case bosses, even hard case people, many times will recognize if somebody's trying to be kind, if they're trying to be humble, if they're trying to do the right thing. He says, most of the time, if you do the right thing, it's going to be good for your life. Okay? It's going to go better for you. But then he says, because you're arguing with the Lord in your mind, you're saying, but Lord, it doesn't always work out that way, right? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, sometimes it doesn't work out well for you, even though you're trying to do good. What does he say? Even if that happens, God makes you a promise. You are blessed. Hey, you know what? When God makes a promise, that's pretty strong, isn't it? It gives you confidence, doesn't it? Hey, if I, listen, because I'm saying here tonight, oh, when I want to turn into the parking lot, when I'm in a hurry, when I got to go around Country Club Road, when they still won't let me in, when I got to walk across the street and almost get ran over, when all these things happen, I'm not feeling like blessing, amen? But when I stop in that moment and say, I have a decision to make here, I can either live a life of blessing to others or I can have that fit. But God, if I make the right choice, I will be a blessing to this guy who's standing here today. And God, it's going to go better for me. My life is going to be better. Gives you confidence, doesn't it? And God says, even if somebody bows up against you and makes it hard on you when you're trying to do the right thing, I want to promise you, you are blessed. When God makes you a promise, you can take that one to the bank. You have his word on it. Gives you confidence. Thirdly, being a blessing gives you opportunities to witness. Look at verses, uh, the end of verse 14 and the end of verse 15. It says, and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Okay, he's talking about somebody who kind of comes, comes against you, comes hard when you're trying to do the right thing. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense or to give an account or to give a reason, an answer to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and respect. The Bible says, instead of bowing up, instead of lashing out, choose to be a blessing. And when you do that, there will be opportunities for you. <clears throat> it says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Okay, Make sure that Jesus Christ is in your heart. He's working. You've got a special place for him. You love him. You're seeking him. You're walking with him. But he says, when you do that, you be ready. Because people are going to ask you about the hope that's in you. Okay? Even people who challenge you, be ready for that. Listen, Christians, this is a call to us. There is no shame in tonight if you don't know much about the Bible or you don't know much about God or you've got a lot of learning to do. But there is some shame in not doing anything about it. Okay? There's no shame in saying, I don't know where that verse is. I don't know how to explain things. Okay? That may be the case. Ask God to help you to grow. And grow to the point that when people ask you things, you'll be ready to answer about what Christ has done in your life. Hey, why didn't you get upset about that? Any reasonable person would have got mad. Why didn't you whatever? You know what I mean? I find many Christians, they get scared right there and say, oh, I just try to be a nice person. Or, oh, I'm just, you know, I just try to be helpful. No, you aren't. You're not a nice person. You're not trying to be helpful. The only reason you did the right thing is because Jesus Christ is in your life. And so when somebody says to you, 
Why did you respond like that? I mean, I can't understand. Everybody else that drove by today was irritated. Why were you kind? Well, to be honest with you, I try to do the best that I can to, to let God lead my life. And he kind of spoke to my heart that I shouldn't be a jerk. And so I was trying my best with his help not to be. <laughs> I mean, that's not real theological or real biblical, you know, like Bible verses, but that's just being honest, right? Because God's working in my life. And then as they ask more questions that you can answer, you can sit down maybe and share about the hope. When you're a blessing to other people, God's going to bless you with opportunities to share his good news with other people. Number four, being a blessing will one day vindicate you. What does that mean? Look at verse 16. It says, And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, maybe you're, Uh, false things, false accusations are made about you, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. It says, as you witness, do it with an attitude of gentleness, not cockiness, not arrogance, not condescension, not like you know everything about God and the Bible and you're perfect or anything like that. Do it with gentleness, do it with respect, do do it in humility, and do it in good conscience. Hey, you're just trying to do the right thing, right? I'm not trying to show anybody up. I'm not trying to be a bigger person. I'm just trying to honor God. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Do it with a good conscience. That way, if anyone tries to falsely say things about you, it's going to be obvious at some point that what they said about you is not true. It'll either be obvious very quickly to them, hopefully, and to others, or one day it'll be obvious. Isn't it a blessing to know that if things are not right now, one day God's going to set the record straight. Isn't that a blessing? Don't all of us have things in our lives that we were misrepresented? We were trying to do the right thing. We were trying to follow God. We were trying to make good decisions. And and we ended up looking like the bad guy. I remember one of my friends called me right when I began, uh, you know, um, when God called me into ministry. One of my friends called me and said, Hey, Robbie, I heard you've been called to ministry. And he was my best friend growing up. I mean, best friend. He said, um, me and my fiance were getting married. We'd like for you to do the wedding. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't know if this friend knew the Lord. And so I said, well, let's talk about that. So I said, you know, if you're asking me to do the wedding, you're basically saying you want a Christian wedding. And if you want a Christian wedding, that means that you guys are starting your life. You're followers of Jesus and you want him to lead your life. Is that what you're saying? He says, well, not exactly. You know, I, I haven't really, you know, given my life to God. I said, well, let's talk about that. So we talked about it. He said, well, I'm not, I'm not quite ready for that, but what about the wedding? I said, well, unfortunately, I can only do weddings for people who are saying that they're starting their home with God as the basis. And so, you know, really, I, I don't think I would be able to help you. Well, as you can imagine, best friend, there were a lot of people who weren't real happy with me and Shannon at that point. Now, that hurts, doesn't it? You got a buddy, you got a friend, you want to help them? I mean, I I would love to be a part of their wedding. But I'm more responsible to do what? To share about Christ and to share about his need in starting a home to have Jesus as his Savior and to help him to understand that. And so I'm hoping that one day that friend of mine will see, you know what? I wasn't very happy with you back then, but I'm so glad that you did that because it helped. Hopefully he's going to say to me, because it helped me to realize how important God is. and, And eventually I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Amen? See, one day, it'll all come out. 
If you're trying to do the right thing, you're going to be blessed. Even if the record's not straight right now. Now, some of you have been reading ahead. The next few verses are fun. Let's read them. All right, it says, For it is better... This is actually not too difficult here. It gets difficult down verse 19. For it is better if God should will it so that you should suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Okay, it's possible you're going to do the right thing and and you're still going to have some negative things happen. Okay, now listen. We're going to get into some kind of some deep waters here in just a minute. I'm not going to dive in too deep. Okay, I'm just going to kind of skim across the surface. All right, because we don't have time tonight. But here's the focus of what he's saying. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. Who is just? He is, right? Who's the unjust? That's me. So that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Okay, now here's the part, all right? In which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, not water baptism, but an appeal to God for a good conscience, accepting Christ as your Savior, spirit baptism through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Now, somebody says, wow, where did that come from? Amen, I'm with you. That's one of the most challenging passages in the Bible to interpret. There are many different interpretations. Let me just kind of give you what some have suggested may be being said here, and then I want to pull it together with, I think, the point that's being made. In Genesis chapter 6, The Bible talks about the world had gotten to a very bad place, okay? And there are some who believe that that was a result. Part of that was because of some demonic activity that was happening on the earth. That activity was responded to by many people here on the earth, and it got to the point that it was so bad that God basically said, I'm sorry that I ever did this. I mean, he he was broken. He was hurt. He was saddened over what man had come to. God used one man, now this is kind of the focus, God used one man to save a total of how many? Eight people through the ark. The rest were judged and died, and those demons or those bad angels, it's suggested, people believe, maybe what happened, what's being described here, is that they were in some kind of holding place, and that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead as part of his It's almost like in Revelation, it talks about one day Jesus is going to be completely victorious. As part of kind of the primer to him being completely victorious, he kind of showed his defeat over everything bad and sinful and demonic by showing his victory over them, okay? Now, there's other interpretations, but that's the one we're going to just kind of look at tonight. Now, let me tie it all together with what I think the Lord's saying here. Don't miss this. You may think you're the underdog in this world, okay? What did it say about Jesus? What did he do? He died the just for the unjust, but what happened as a result of that? As a result of that, we can be saved, amen? Amen. We can have victory. 
what happened? Noah was building an ark. People made fun of him for 120 years. And out of all the people on the earth, only eight were saved. That doesn't look like good odds, right? But Jesus showed in his victory on the cross and in his resurrection that he was completely victorious and vindicated at the end. What is God trying to say to us? If you make the right decision, it's not always going to come out great right now. Okay, do you understand that? I don't want to be unfair to you. I don't want to say to you, you're going to be walking on rose petals and angels are going to be singing and clouds and birds and chirping and all this kind of stuff. Just the Christian life is just wonderful. No, we have, the Bible says we're going to have tribulation. All right, we're going to have struggles. But even if you look like the underdog, even if you look like you're not making an impact, a God can be completely and totally victorious at the end. If you will trust him and follow his ways. Tonight, that's the real point, isn't it? God's called me to live a life of blessing. First of all, to be a blessing. <laughs> Lord, please help me, because I'm not a blessing. Amen, anybody? I'm not a blessing. Without God, I'm not a blessing. I'm selfish. I want to do my thing. I want to do my way. Amen? Amen? But with God's help, I want to change. Is that your desire tonight, friend? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And you say, I want to look different. I want Christ to show through me. Well, friends, if we're going to look different, we've got to live different. And God's calling us to that tonight. Maybe tonight you're dealing with a situation this very week that you need God to help you to be a blessing to someone else, even when you don't feel like it. Even when it may not work out, that great for you right now are you willing to trust god follower of jesus maybe there's somebody here tonight and you need the hope of victory when you are in jesus christ it may not all look like it's working out right now but i promise you if you're riding on his coattails you are coming out of this storm <laughs> amen it does not define you in fact, it's not just that God's going to get you through this. Somehow, he's amazing. Somehow, he will turn all of this around for him to get even greater glory. It is amazing. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I cannot make you that promise through anyone else's name in this world. It is only through the name of Jesus that we can be saved and forgiven and given this confidence. And tonight, you can have him. You don't have to know the Bible from cover to cover. You don't have to have been in church your whole life. <clears throat> Maybe you have been in church your whole life and you thought it was all about just church stuff. And tonight, God's speaking to you about more. What it, wherever you are tonight, is God calling you to give your life to him? Would you bow with me for just a moment as we think about that together? There's a lot of things probably that God's doing in hearts here tonight as we close. Maybe you are that Christian, that follower of Jesus. And you need to ask Him to help you to be a blessing, to live differently. And to trust God that if you live like that, He is going to bless you. Would you just admit that to Him tonight, friend? God, I don't see it. It's hard for me to believe. But I want to trust you. 
Help me, Lord. Help me to believe that your way is right, is true, that I will be victorious either now or later through Christ. If you're here and you need the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, there is no other man, there is no other religion, there is no other place that you can go. The Bible says there's no way to get to the Father but through Christ. There's no way to be forgiven of our sins. There's no way to be saved and rescued from our hopelessness and our struggle and the dangers of this life without Jesus Christ. If you know that and believe that and will trust in Him tonight, He will forgive you. He will come into your life and He will give you the same confidence that a person who's here tonight that's been walking with God for 50 years can have. You can have the same confidence tonight that if tonight were the last day of your life that you could know that you're forgiven and accepted by God. Just call upon Him. Say, Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. Would you wash me and be my Savior? Help me to walk with you the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you've spoken to hearts and that we would respond to you right now in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Is God speaking to you tonight? Really, what we've talked about tonight could almost be the point of 1 Peter. I mean, really a lot of 1 Peter is that in spite of the struggle, God will give me victory. And maybe you just need to be reminded of that tonight. Maybe you need to hear it, that pointed, that clear tonight. Maybe you've got something that you feel like is like a 30-foot wave about to come over you. And you need to know before that wave comes over that God is in control and He's going to take care of me. Maybe you just need to bow before Him tonight. Just come and bow or by your seat and just say, Dear God, help me. I cannot do this on my own. Please help me.